Heavenly Father, today we are uh, rejoicing, giving thanks in who you are and what you're doing in our lives. And I ask that you'll guide our minds and our hearts today as we think about a message from you to us. May we hear it clearly in Jesus' name. Amen. There are many Thanksgiving stories that get passed around at, at the Thanksgiving table. Some of them are true. Some of them are not true. There's one Thanksgiving story that I, I recently stumbled across, and I don't know how I missed it in fifth grade history class, because I'm sure that you all know this story very well, uh, but somehow I missed the story until just recently. It's about the pilgrims, but not the first Thanksgiving, the, th- the second Thanksgiving. You know the first Thanksgiving, they come and uh, they arrive here in America and they have nothing, they have no idea what to do, they, they aren't good at cooking, they aren't good at hunting, they aren't good at, at growing crops, and so they're, they're just kind of dying off and dwindling. In fact, the, the weather is killing them, the disease is killing them, uh, and they, they get to this point where they, they don't have any food, they don't know what to do, and that's when this Indian Squanto is his name, he comes and he teaches them how to hunt and fish and grow Indian corn. And because they have food, they, the, the, the governor, William Bradford, declares a day of thanksgiving. So they invite the Indians to come. Ninety Indians show up. Can you imagine hosting Thanksgiving at your house and 90 people show up? Do you have enough food for that? Oh, man. Well, this group of Indians brought five deer and a dozen turkeys, and so there was plenty of food, and they had a wonderful time. Thanksgiving ends, winter comes, and it's a difficult, cold winter. They look forward to spring and summer when they can plant some more crops and get some more food, but summer comes and there's 14 weeks of drought. They can't grow anything. Their food stores have gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. In fact, 35 more pilgrims join the crew. They don't know how to cook. They don't know how to hunt. They don't have any, any survival knowledge. They don't know anything. And so at one point, the food was so little that they rationed the food to five kernels of corn per person per day. That's not very much. In fact, the whole group gets down and they pray. They prayed for eight hours straight, asking God to help them in this moment of need. And he answered their prayers with 12 days of rain, enough rain that their crops grew They had an abundance of food, and a second year of Thanksgiving was declared. And as everyone gathers around this table filled to the brim with food, every place setting had a plate with five kernels of corn as a reminder of the struggle that they went through and that they could thank God for bringing them through it. Every Thanksgiving wouldn't be complete without giving thanks to what God has done, and as well as giving him thanks for bringing you through difficult times. If you've got your Bible, I encourage you to open it with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians is deep into the New Testament, and if you didn't bring your Bible, you can grab the blue book that's in front of you. It's the Pew Bible. It's the same version and translation that I'll be reading from, and you can follow along on page 834. Colossians chapter 2. I'll give you a little bit of context as you're turning there. Paul, he's a church planter, 
He goes from city to city to city way back when, and groups of people hear the message about Jesus, the gospel message, and they say, I want to be a part of that. And so they form these little churches, and Paul doesn't stay there. He moves on to other places to plant more churches, but he always writes letters back to the churches that he came from to encourage them and affirm them, and that's exactly what he's doing in Colossians. He's writing back to the the Christians and the disciples in the city of Colossae, and he's encouraging them, and he's affirming them for what they've done. They've accepted Jesus, and now they're on mission as they're sharing the message of the gospel to everybody that they meet. And in fact, as I was reading through this, I really think that Paul could have taken his letter and folded it up and stuck it in an envelope and addressed it to the Forest Lake Seventh-day Adventist Church at 515 Harley Lester Lane in Apopka, Florida. It's a message of affirmation and encouragement that I think this church um, is doing and can be encouraged to do more to be a church filled with thanksgiving. Here's how it goes. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. We're just going to read those two verses. We're going to read them twice. Here's how it says. Paul says these words. So then, Forest Lake Seventh Adventist Church, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Let's read it again. So then, church, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. I mean, there's some pretty specific and powerful instructions in here. Uh, Powerful to you and me today, modern-day Christians. He says, because you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, your life should look like this. He says, because of your commitment to the gospel, here's what a disciple's life looks like. You can put it this way. If you understand the gospel message, if you truly are a disciple, your life will look like this. And he gives us three points. That's a good Adventist sermon, three-point sermons. Paul does it too. He's got three. He, he probably was an Adventist. I think so. Paul was. Three points here. The first one is there in verse 7. He says, rooted and built up in him. He says, you've accepted the gospel message the message about Jesus dying for you, the forgiveness of your sins, life eternal because of him. He says, now be rooted in him. Drive those roots down around Jesus to get the nutrients, to get the life-giving water and supplements and the bread of life so that you can live and be strong. And as I think about these roots, I think about my front yard. Now, just two weeks ago, we bought a house. I'm excited about it. It's not a lake house. It's not our dream house that we thought, but it's a great house, and it's a perfect house for us. It's just down the street here, up Wakaiva Springs. I'm not giving you the address because I know you'll show up on the... I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'd love it if you want to come over. Just bring cookies when you come, please. It's it's in uh, Sweetwater Country Club. It's an old house. In fact, here's a picture of it. It's an old little house. It's the smallest house on the block, which I think is a great deal because that means my house will only appreciate. There it is. And uh, it, it's, it's built in 1978. It's got, it's, it needs completely renovated. In fact, when you walk in the front door, it feels like you got in a time machine and you traveled back to 1978 because nothing has changed in there. And you should see the master bathroom. Oh, my. It, the, uh, the previous owners called it the grotto. I'll show you pictures of it one day. It's ridiculous. For the past two weeks... Every spare moment of my time has been at this house 
demoing everything. In fact, uh, Jen, Jen's been over there. My dad even flew down. Like, we are channeling our inner Chip and Joanna Gaines on this house. I mean, it's HDTV like madness over there. It's crazy. In fact, here's a picture of the insides. You look at the walls are torn down. There's electrical wires, plumbing's hanging out in here. Uh, it's, it's a pretty ugly scene in there. In fact, I found some friends that used to live here. Here's a picture of one of them. Oh, couple of them. You could smell them. Anyway, they don't live there anymore. We've had a lot of help on this house. In fact, a couple of our church members have really helped. In fact, Dmitry Terikov has, uh, has helped us a bunch. And then this good-looking guy here, look at this guy. You, you don't even know him. He's right over here. This is Ismael Terron. He's not even an official uh, member yet, but soon will be. This guy's awesome. He's been giving me so much of his time to help do stuff. We've been working hard on this thing. Now, as we've been working on this house, we've realized that we missed something, the internet. We said, it's time to get internet. Like when we're over there working and the boys are being crazy and running around with, like I had this ax out to break a wall down. My, son's, my six-year-old son's running around with a, a double-sided ax. We're like, guys, we gotta get the internet fast. Someone's gonna die. So we decided, let's get the internet. So I went over to Spectrum, just down the street here, walked in, talked to the guy, got all signed up. He hands me the, the modem in the box. And it was Spectrum, it's really easy. You just plug it in and you're good to go. So I go to the house and I hook the coaxial cable up and I, I turn it on, it's not working. I go to another plug, try that one, it's not working. I called tech support. Tech support says, let's try another plug. We tried three or four different ones. Finally, he said, um, you need a tech guy to come out there and fix it. I said, okay. And he said, we can get it out there tomorrow. So this past Wednesday at 5 p.m., this tech guy shows up. He is the coolest dude ever. He's a Cuban guy, just the nicest guy ever. And, and he's giving me his time where he could be at home with family, getting ready for Thanksgiving, maybe some final preparations on an apple pie, perhaps, something. And he's there with me. And uh, he quickly determines that we need a new coaxial cable run from the box over to the house. So he gets that, that big roll of orange cable and he, he straight rolls it out from the house over to the box over there. And then he gets out this little spade shovel. See, in Georgia, we got Xfinity or Comcast. And I, they're, no, they're not great. I'm not, I'm not advocating for them. I'm just saying they have a little machine that they run in the ground and it just buries the cable as they go along. Spectrum doesn't do that. You dig it by hand. And it's sand here, so it's no big deal. So he starts at one end. He starts digging this trench. And I'm thinking, man, this guy's giving me his life right now when he could be with his family. And I think, I got a shovel too. So I grab my shovel and I start at the other end of the cable. And we're digging trenches, digging along. We're getting closer to each other until we find something. Roots. The name of my street is Majestic Oak Drive. Y'all, there are so many roots in the ground. We're digging along, and you can't dig through these roots. In fact, I got, I got educated between first and second service today because uh, someone helped me understand oak trees. Oak trees have roots that don't go down like a tap root. They go kind of shallow, and they go right across the ground, but they stretch out as far as they can go. We've tried to run that coaxial cable every single which way to get around them. And I think about roots, and Paul says, be rooted how does it say? Be rooted and built up in him. He says, as a disciple, after you've accepted the gospel message, your next step is to get your roots in him. Whether it's a taproot that goes deep into the ground that, that wraps around Jesus, or if it's one that reaches way out far to wrap around him, whatever it is, you've got to get to the source of him. How deep are your roots today? 
Do they reach deep into the soil like a tree planted by a water that reaches deep in to find the source of life? So when the winds come and the storms come, you're rooted in him. Paul continues on the the second point of his three-part Adventist sermon. He says, rooted and built up in him, and then he says, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Paul gives a similar description. He says, be rooted in him, but then be exercising too. Be strengthened in your faith as you walk this faith journey. As you're moving along, there's ups and downs, highs and lows, like a roller coaster. He says, be strengthened in that journey uh, with faith, understanding that, that God is leading the way. It's kind of like being strengthened by working out. Now, are there, any, uh, are there any weightlifters in here this morning? We got one, Ed Cartagena. Let's go, baby. Uh-huh. I, that's, I'm impressed, man. That's very cool. Now, um, Ed's obviously works out. Some of you ride the Peloton. Maybe you run outside. There's obviously one person in our church that has bigger muscles than anyone else, and he happens to be on our pastoral staff, and his name is Pastor Juan Martinez. Have you seen this guy? He's our young adult pastor. He's fantastic. He is continually out with young adults, uh, with them. He'll meet for lunch or he'll have coffee with them or whatever. He's, he's just constantly with them. He spends a lot of his time uh, serving and leading with warehouse community. It's, he's a great dude. The guy is ripped. In fact, I went onto his Facebook page and I found a picture of him. Here it is. Look at this guy. Man, his biceps are larger than my thighs. I think he has to special order his t-shirts just to wrap them around his muscles. I mean, the guy, I don't know if you can see it on these small screens up here, but you can see, see the veins on this guy? I mean, he does CrossFit. It's ridiculous. Like, um, I have no idea what are the, some of the stuff he does. He does push-ups, pull-ups. He's, the other day on his Facebook page, he posted a video of him and his daughter Adeline as, as he was doing these something, I don't even know what it's called. You guys do CrossFit, so you might know. Uh, pull-ups and stuff. And then Adeline, she was, she was on these circles, these rings hanging down, swinging around. Like he's always working out. He's always being strong. He's always strengthening what he has. And Paul says, as disciples of Jesus that have given your heart to him, that have accepted the gospel, be rooted in him and be strengthened in your faith walk. Get the roots deep and then keep working out. How's your spiritual workout looking? Is it active? It's hard to work out after Thanksgiving, I know y'all. Are your spiritual muscles growing and getting stronger every day? Paul continues with the last point, and let's be honest, it's the real reason why we're focusing on this passage. Verse seven, he says, be rooted and built up in him, be strengthened in the, in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. That's cool. Paul says, church, if there's a marker of a disciple, it's you're rooted in Jesus, you're strengthened in your faith walk, and that you overflow with thankfulness. Man, wouldn't you love to be known as the guy or girl that walks around and overflows with thankfulness? That everyone around you says, man, that person, they're just filled with gratitude. They're so filled that it's contagious. I can, I can, I can sense their thankfulness as I'm around them. Paul says they're overflowing. That means it's more than to the top. It's more than full. It's more than you can even handle. And this isn't some uh, prerequisite that your parent says, okay, if you get a gift from grandma, you've got to write a thank you note. It's a requirement. 
No, this is just natural, filled with thankfulness that it's so full that you overflow to everyone around you. That's, that's everybody. That's the mailman. That's your neighbor. It's your aunts and uncles. It's your favorite pizza place waiter. It is the, the bad guy at Publix, overflowing with thankfulness that everyone can see. In fact, Paul was so adamant that the church, our church, would overflow with thankfulness that he filled up his writings with it. Here's some of the verses. He says it in the very next chapter. He says, over here, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. He says it again in the next chapter. Here's what he says. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. He says it again in 1 Thessalonians. Here's what he says. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He says that in Ephesians 2, he says, always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a part of the life of a disciple. Paul encourages every Christian, every disciple to give thanks in the, to the way that it overflows from you. Give thanks for the food that you eat. We do that. Give thanks for opportunities that you have. Give thanks for the relationships that you have. Give thanks for time, for your church family, for the country we live in. And of course, give thanks about Jesus. That's what it's all about anyway. Give thanks about the one that died so that you can be alive. This morning, as I've thought about this passage, it challenges me to be thankful because that's what disciples do. But I want to challenge us one more step today. Is that okay if we challenge each other a little bit? I hear silence. Let me try that again. Is it okay if we challenge each other a little bit? Okay, that's about a third of you. We'll, well, I'll take that and we'll go with it. It's expected that we're thankful with the good stuff. Right? Your kid's excelling at school. Ah, you're thankful. You got a promotion. You're thankful. Uh, everything's, you buy a new house. You're thankful. But are we ever thankful in the tough stuff? The painful stuff? The stuff that really hurts the stuff that you weren't expecting, the stuff that uh, is just not great. Do we ever thank God for those things? Can we ever overflow with thankfulness in the hard things? See, there are lots of people, in fact, people in our church right now that are dealing with challenges that they weren't planning on. And they could mope around and have a downtrodden face and spend all their life in mourning, yet they choose to be thankful even in the pain. Here's a few of them. I've, I got permission from this first story because you may know who this is. One of, um, one of our church members, whom I love very dearly, is dying. He has a, he's got kidney failure in his transplanted kidney that he's had for a while. In fact, there's a virus that's killing his only good kidney right now. He's been to doctors He's been to physicians. They've tried everything. He's had different medications. In fact, over the last five or six weeks, he's uh, tried a last-ditch effort, which was to do this, this infusion in him to hopefully kill the virus that's killing his kidney. And if that doesn't work, and he doesn't have the results yet, if, he doesn't, if that doesn't work, then he's destined for daily dialysis until he gets a kidney transplant. And while he would have every right to be mopey and sad and discouraged. He's not. I see him. He's smiling. 
There's a chuckle in his laughter, in his heart. He's thankful even in the midst of pain. Here's another one, and this could fit a lot of different people. There's a couple in our church who is really struggling in their marriage. I know there's a bunch that are really struggling right now because I think the devil rips at the core of of relationships and family and he doesn't want them to succeed because that's a picture of the relationship with God and us too. There are families in our church, but this one specifically, that their marriage has been just ripped apart and yet they've chosen to not give up. They've chosen to not get divorced. Instead, they say, we're gonna fall in love with Jesus and from there, we're gonna fall in love with each other even more. And as they struggle daily to have a healthy, happy marriage, they are choosing to be thankful in the midst of the struggle that they're in. That's powerful. Here's another one, another story. A member in our church got COVID quite a while ago. Um, They got over it, at least the infection part or the uh, contagious part, but now they have what's known as long-term COVID. Uh, They have never really fully recovered as far as their their energy level. They're always tired. They're always weak. They can't really continue on a daily journey, and it's awful. I can't imagine what it's like, yet this person doesn't think about what they don't have. They are thankful for what they do have in the midst of their trial. See, I believe that God allows us to endure or experience struggle and pain and heartache for several reasons. One, because in that there's something that will glorify him, but secondly, because in that faith journey with him, I believe that our faith grows stronger because of what we experience. And sometimes it takes pain, and sometimes it takes hurt for us to grow with him. And for that, I wanna be thankful, even in the midst of pain. Yesterday afternoon, I was working at our new house, uh, this last week, a lot of the flooring got ripped out. We got the carpet ripped out. Uh, my incredible wife, Jen, uh, she got in there with a jackhammer. I mean, how many of you guys can say that your wife knows how to run a jackhammer? I hit the lottery when I married that girl. <laughs> She's there with a jackhammer, jackhammering up the, uh, the tile in there. And so after all the flooring and all the tile was out, there's still a lot of like dust and debris just around the ground. I can't I can't work in a messy environment. So I got there yesterday and I said, I'm gonna clean, I'm gonna clean the whole floor up now. We're gonna start with that, then we can get busy. So I started sweeping, I put a mask on because it was this cloud of dust in our house. Just, just everything was covered with dust. And so I, I slid open every door, front doors, side doors, pool doors, every door, so that there could be breeze going through and get this cloud of dust out. Well, I kept working and, and after a little while, um, I saw somebody kind of standing there in the front door and I, and I looked over and I, I saw who it was and it was Barbara. She goes by Babs. It's kind of cool. I didn't realize that was a nickname, but Pastor Barb told me that that's, that's, that's what you do if your name's Barbara. People call you Babs. Anyway, Babs was there. Babs, are you here today? Barbara, she walks into the house and, and um, I, I, I knew her because I met her last week. She's the daughter of the man that owned the house before. In fact, he was 94 years old when he died, and he was the original owner of our house, so we're the second owners. He built that house in 1978. It was one of the first houses there on Majestic Oak Drive. And she's got loss in her life because her dad is gone. She's, she shared about how she's 
cried many tears about it, especially when she had to clean out the house and look through all this stuff, and she, she'd work for a little while, and then she would weep about it. Pain, death is painful. It's hard. She's in the house with me, and she, I said, hey, what brings you by? And she said, well, I'm here to get the mail. She said, no, if I'm being honest, I really am just checking on the progress of the house. She's so excited that it's getting renovated. She wants to, wants to know what, what's happening, what we're doing. And so I showed her around. I said, oh, well, we knocked this down, so we're going to put the countertop over here. There's no wall here anymore. And over here, we're going to paint this, and we're going to put the wall up over here. And I said, let's go to the master bathroom. I'll show you that. And that's when she said, we used to call this the grotto. It's that coral rock, the whole wall. It's, it's, it's awful. I'm going to need some, I'm, we're going to need a church work bee over there to get that rock off. That's what we need. <laughs> So we go into the bathroom, we're talking for a bit there, and for some, some reason it came up that I'm a pastor. And so she said, oh, which church? And I said, oh, it's the Forest Lake Seventh-day Adventist Church right there on 436. Oh yeah, I've driven by that one all the time. And so she asked more questions. We talked about fleece, we talked about FLA. She said, wow, that's a, that's a really big thing there. And I said, yeah, it is. The connection with Advent Health, we got mixed in there. She's, she's seeing the bigger picture of Adventism. She said, well, I was raised Catholic. And I said, that's wonderful. And she said, but I don't believe that anymore. And I said, oh, okay, tell me more. So we kept talking for a while, and, and we got a little deep in our conversation as, as she shared about how she understands that the only way to the Father is through Jesus, nobody else. And she said, I really wanted to be baptized. She's like, I'm going to come and try your church out. And I said, come on. I said, don't come because we're friends, but you, come try it out because it's such a wonderful, warm, and welcome church, and I know that you'll find it as a, as a church home. And, and she... Uh, I wondered if she'd be here today. I believe that she will come to our church one day. And in the midst of pain and loss of her dad, maybe, just maybe, God allowed that pain and suffering to happen so that she could meet me, so that she could come to this church, so that she could grow with Jesus. And she can be thankful even in the midst of pain because sometimes God allows hurtful things to be wonderful things that we can be thankful for. This morning, may we always and forever be thankful in the good times and the bad times. And may our thankfulness be contagious to everyone that we meet.